if you're really you know the oak tree and you stand there strong and you know who you are and you know what your values are then you know you the, the chances are you can weather it better than others power to live more with joe dodds welcome to the power to live more podcast all about productivity organization well-being energy and resilience I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Sam Redman of Sam Redman Consulting. Sam was introduced to us by Kate Hunter from show number 143 and on checking her LinkedIn profile we realised Joe and Sam used to work together briefly. They don't really remember each other from those days but do recognise each other and had a good chat about mutual contacts. Sam's business offers one-to-one executive coaching, organisational culture change initiatives, bespoke development solutions, including workshops based on the needs of the client, and she offers public speaking on her coaching practice to fast-track career and graduate programme schemes. She has been developing senior leaders for over 10 years in her role of leading the agenda on culture, leadership and talent, globally at Pret-a-Manger, and has coached individuals to be successful in senior executive roles. She has curated externally recognised development programmes to enable support centre individuals to deliver exceptional leadership skills, unlock potential in their teams and enable the business to deliver its strategic objectives. She is passionate about helping individuals achieve their true potential by exploring their authentic career and personal aspirations. She works with clients to provide the tools that create the mindset shift required to move from now to wow. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Sam Redman of Sam Redman Consulting. Oh, I tripped over your name then, Sam. Um, and it's really exciting to be talking to Sam today because we found out we used to work together. So welcome, Sam. <laughs> Great to have you with me. Thank you very much, Joe. It's certainly a small world. So, yeah, we, we thought we'd better get on and do the interview because we've spent a lot of time reminiscing. But we <laughs> I, we did know each other because I definitely recognised you. But uh, we don't really remember each other that much, do we? But, uh, yeah, we've got lots of uh, other memories that we've been swapping. In fact, what I didn't tell you is I bumped into um, Tim. So we both used to work for uh, Weatherspoon. I bumped into him at a Weatherspoon in London only um, a few months ago. He was recording some, I don't know what new advert thing or something and do you know what they they made me move because I was in his oh. you know camera space to apologize for putting me out and I said no not at all it's fine and uh lovely to see you again I actually used to work for you oh my goodness me oh Tim he's he's a bit of a legend he's been all over the press of late hasn't he with the uh with the b word going on so yeah yes yes and prior to that he um they stopped all their social media didn't they so he was he Mm. talked about that for a while as well didn't they so uh yes well yeah we did we did love him didn't we might we might have had other challenges (laughs) (laughs) it's good tell us what you do now then so who are what you do and where you do it Okay, so I am an executive coach. Um, I'm also a change consultant. And the work that I do is around uh, a three pillar approach. Um, And I help executives. So and and I use the word executive, but it doesn't mean a lot in some organisations, but senior leaders um, and organisations that want to unlock their potential either within their teams or on a wider scale, as far if that's their core business. So I help them explore um, who they are, where they are and where they want to go. Um, I assist with putting the relevant change in place. Examples of that are growth mindset, making career decisions or unlocking talent. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about the sort of work I'm doing for larger organisations in a minute. And then fulfill. So how do they walk away from the experience, whether that's a three month programme, a half day session, 
or um, a week-long residential program, feeling fulfilled, resilient, and really clear about how they're going to authentically achieve their goals. Um, I work with one-to-one -one clients, but I'm also um, program director for Oxford University's summer school. So I'll be spending a week at Keeble in August um, where we support retailers. So store managers and operations managers um, through um, a transformational leadership journey. Um, and I'm also doing some work for um, a fast track careers company where I'm running master classes and webinars around growth mindset, um, how to set out a really um, achievable but stretching goal, whether that's six months or 12 months. Um, and I'm also writing a few articles for them on how to really bring learning into your day-to-day -day life. So it's quite wide and varied, um, but it all comes back to my three pillars of Explore, Change, Fulfill. Lovely, and do you work from home? I do, I do work from home and it's it's been lovely actually. It was a, it was a, I started my business in September, so it's been a real, a real change. So all kinds of new routines have had to come into play that, I haven't had before. Um, even when I was a student back in union, I was at home a lot of the time. Um, I, I didn't have to put that much discipline in place because I still had structure with, with you know, lectures and deadlines for coursework, etc. So I work from home. I'm based in Hertfordshire. Um, a number of my clients are sort of around the counties here, um, but a, a lot of my time I'm spending in, in London uh, working with people there. Lovely. So you're relatively new to this business and um, I'm sure there's people listening who aren't yet a home-based coach or consultant but are seriously considering it. Uh, let, let's start by sort of talking a bit about how you made that transition. So so why you did that and, and also the sort of things that you did to sort of move into. I mean, you've already talked a little bit about, you mentioned how uh, you know life's difficult uh, not difficult different was the word I meant mm. <laughs> I didn't say that. different to working from <laughs> but what you know what what was that that sort of firstly the reasoning and then the process yeah so I've spent the last decade working at Pret um, and I looked after the agenda on leadership talent and culture and part of my role was was developing programs that would help um, our succession planning internally so Prep were a real ambassador for, for unlocking potential within before searching outside to bring in people, um, which is great. And it was a real honour to, to, to be accountable for that. So I wrote a lot of talent programmes. Um, everything had to have a bit of a buzzword at Pret. So my talent programmes were called Pret's Got Talent. Um, and I did have the three buzzers from Britain's Got Talent for some of the activities, which uh, people will always remember. Even now, if they watch Britain's Got Talent, they'll drop me an email and say, I can hear the buzzers. Um, but we, we ha I were um, inadvertently started coaching people. We, a lot of the reason that people found that they could move forward um, and unlock their potential was because we created a real safe, trusting environment when we were together in rooms um, or on offsites. And I, I remember asking for some support with this because it's a huge responsibility when people really do start to open it up to you. It's very difficult sometimes to feel that you're doing the right thing. And so I did two things. I brought some structure in for our individuals. I became an insights discovery practitioner, which is a psychometric. And that came with a degree of coaching training. Um, mm -hmm. And then to supplement that and give me some individuality, I became an NLP practitioner as well. Um, and using those two, two skills, it really, one, gave me the confidence to give the ownership back to the individuals to grow, but also kept, I felt an element of being on track and, and, and in control in those moments. Um, and then, as with any business, the company grows. And I came to a crossroads at Pret about two years ago where my role was going to grow significantly. I was already traveling annually to Hong Kong and New York to deliver training solutions for the company. But my role was going to be less hands-on and more strategic. And so mm -hmm. I had a really great boss. I had a one-to-one -one and we were talking through what next and, and what I would need in order to be ready for that. And 
And what came out of that is I had two clear choices. I could either choose to specialise or I could choose to get ready to be, you know, a senior head within the organisation. And I I just knew which one, which way I wanted to go. And that was to be a specialist. And yes. through a darkly dark but fortunate situation, I lost my my grandma shortly after that one to one. And and I gained some inheritance and I chose to go back to college. So I went to college and became an accredited coach. Um, and then spoke to Pret about a 12-month exit strategy, you know, what would they need in order, you know, what could I do to enable um, a smooth exit? And I, it was, it was great. My role was put into redundancy. I was offered another role, but they also were really generous and put an offer on the table. And I took it. And we're still friends now. I'm doing some work for them, actually, which is, again, a small world. Um, and I chose to take the leap um, because I knew if I didn't do it then, I had no real excuses apart from facing my fears. You know, I'd always been full time employed. I've got a daughter who's 13. She's just about to start doing a GCSEs. And I could I could have given a list of 20 reasons why I should have stayed in full time employment. But none of them were true. It, the, the one that I was, you know, holding me back the most was the fear of doing it. There was, you know, and so I committed that I would spend five months. I had five months where I could live okay. You know, we're not going to Barbados anytime soon, but I could live okay. And at five months, if I wasn't able to bring in a salary that, you know, allowed me to live, then I would start looking for full-time work again. And at that point, at least I would know that I tried. I tried my best to do, you know, my own thing. And mm -hmm. I had things that I could learn. I wouldn't have failed. I would have just had more stories to tell in full-time employment, doing talent um, management. Um, and it's going well, you know, it's been a huge learning curve. Um, but I chose to face the fear and put a plan in place for if those fears came to life what I would do about it um, yeah. and, and took the leap. So is this month five from what you've told me? Yeah, Did you say so? Well, yeah so you're carrying on then. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I worked really hard at nurturing some relationships before I left of not people that do what I do but people that I could work alongside and learn with um, and some of my buddies from college who all use coaching in different capacities um, and I've picked up some really lovely consultancy from there so one of them is the program directorship at Oxford um, I'm doing I did a keynote for a fast-track career company that I'd known of in my role at PrEP um, they they run programs for big organisations, Waitrose, Sainsbury's, etc., um, to help you know graduates that have left university come into their organisations and and make that mindset transition into being full time employed and and guidance how to you know build a great career. So I did yeah. a keynote for them free of charge in October, and I it was just incredible I mean it was nerve-wracking because of what I was representing myself not a company um and the company was my company um but I just I chose to to take the vulnerability on and I rehearsed and I practiced I bought myself a new dress so <laughs> you always feel more confident in a nice dress um <laughs> and I stood up and I held the stage for 40 minutes and then sat with a few other industry experts and did a Q&A and from that I've managed to pick up some consult paid consultancy this year um, yeah. and then that word of mouth starts and I've now picked up um, I th I'm about four I've just got just got one final conversation to have but four one-to-one -one clients who want coaching and they're at the level that I've worked with so I've got a an MD from a company and a few other senior heads of departments. So I just chose to to take some risks, you know, to be unpaid, stood on a stage at Sainsbury's head offices in October, um, has created some opportunities. So 
if it had mm. got to month five and nothing would have come, at least I could have said, that's a good example of where I could have said that I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I love when you said earlier that, you know, what what's the worst that can happen? I could, you know, I won't have failed. I'd have just added to my stories that I tell. And I love that concept. I'd certainly work on, on the same basis that, uh, you know, anything that happens, there's always a story that comes out of it. <laughs> you can always turn Absolutely. it into uh, something. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And I love the, um, I always say as well that negotiating is so much easier when you haven't got anything to lose. And it feels a bit like when you first talked to, to Pret that, you know, it was an inkling of an idea and you didn't really know where it was going to go. And actually, if they'd said no, then fine, you'd have just, you know, thought of something else or, or whatever that the, um, but, but, you know, asking for things, I, I said to my husband all the time, you know, when he's talking about his employer and, oh, I don't think they'll let me do this, this and this. It's like, well, the worst they can say is no you know if you haven't yeah. asked them you'll never know will you yeah and as long as you you're really clear about the benefits for both of you it shouldn't you know as long as it's not just all about you yeah. I was really really thought about well why would they want to support this or why what's in it for for, for them you know so I I, I think as if you're going into anything really th even if it's a conversation with your partner about you know childcare or you know who should be emptying the dishwasher more really putting yourself in their shoes and 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 hearing what they're going to hear when you open your mouth is so important mm -hmm. and the other thing that you talk about um having done the the talk and you you know said specifically it was an, an unpaid talk there's there's quite a lot of discussion on sort of speaking groups on facebook and linkedin and all that sort of stuff about you know do you speak for free and so many people um come in you know saying no you know my time's valuable and all this sort of, sort of stuff and i half the time i think to myself well, either there, no one else is saying anything, or everyone's pretending that they don't. But most people do, and, mm. and it's actually it's it's one of the things that you do, which is about marketing, and you don't get paid for most of the rest of the marketing that you do. So you know why everyone gets all um sort of so adamant that I mean I you know I've had paid speaking gigs, but I also do you know a lot that aren't paid because I know that I'm in front of my target market, and it could lead to something, and and that's you know clearly what you demonstrated with your example. Yeah, I think what I've learned is my general rule of thumb is if it's out of my core working hours, then I, I, I'm comfortable not charging for it. So as long as I've not got to give up half a day to get there, mm. if it falls outside of my working day, which is I, I now will do the school run. So my working day is nine until if it's if I can pick up straight after school, it's four. Um, and if if my daughter's and she does do a lot of stuff after school, it can be six. So I, those are my commitments. I do the school run. If it's outside of that, and I've said this because the company has got charitable status, and I sort of said, listen, if if I can't bring in paid work when I'm working for you, then I'm going to have to, you know, get you're going to have to pay my day rate because it's mm -hmm. it from a, a a moral point of view, you know, I I can't bring in salary if I'm doing this for you however I can do the development work in my own time and I won't you know charge for that and if it's you know six o'clock in the evening then I'll spend the day having meetings around and about the venue and then I'll come and speak in the evening so it, if it's not taken away from any other opportunities at the end of the day you know I still have a mortgage to pay and yeah. I still have to yeah. you know eat yeah. food in the evening however it speculates to accumulate and it was at the time you know I was I was four weeks in no I was two weeks into my business to get that phone call you know just to sit back and go right what what would what could this create and how do I create it um mm. and unfortunately it's rolled you know I've, I've picked up a one-to-one -one client as well through that mm -hmm. I think it's interesting the um a word I use quite often I think you've just um, sort of described it in this situation as intentional you know you you mm. have got quite clear about what you are prepared to do and what you're not and and what the sort of um, uh, parameters are that you can then share with people if they ask you that question and I, I would imagine organizations who weren't intending to pay for somebody to do something if they were if they were sort of responded to with a well ordinarily it would be this but because of that it's that if they want that person you know they, they'll find it there's always budget isn't there they just they always say there isn't in the hope that people won't uh, won't ask for it but um you know going with a, a very clear sort of set of parameters i think is is so useful um so yeah 
And he's, he's being clear on the expectations as well. It's so easy to back yourself into a corner where it becomes expected. You know, it's the old habit analogy. It takes three to create a habit and 21 to break it. The last yeah. thing I would want to do is having this company as part of my network saying, oh, we would recommend Sam and she does it for free. I mean, that it, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. at least they'll be able to articulate my intention as you say they'll be able to say this is Sam we would recommend it because of this yeah I can share what you know her day rate that you know we invested in however I do know that if it's out of working hours it is up for negotiation that's fine because it, mm -hmm. it's up for negotiation isn't it yes yeah yeah exactly and, and also you know when everyone knows what they stand when everyone sort of understands the situation it's a, a different discussion isn't it and I, I had somebody actually recently on the podcast who was booked in and um, some client work came up and I had to move her. And then, you know, sod's law, um, the same client asked me to do some more work and it clashed again. So I, you know, very apologetically went back to, to ask her if we could move it again. And then she just went really quiet. And in the end, because I wasn't sure she put my message, I did follow up to say, you know, just checking, you're not gonna arrive thinking, you know, on the call thinking I'm going to be here. And then she sent me quite a shirty message back about, not feeling valued and it's like I absolutely get what you're saying and I know it's terrible and I would never normally cancel and certainly not <laughs> certainly not twice mm. but you just you know when somebody's paying you and you're doing um yeah. a, you know a podcast interview for marketing you know i.e you're not being paid to do it it's 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 an easy discuss a, a decision really isn't it <laughs> as you say exactly. can you pay them all yeah. if you're not <laughs> exactly exactly I think as well uh, with this this company, I did have a really great, you know, I, I was really honest with them. And I, and I also said, from your perspective as well, there's a psychological contract when you are paying for a service. You know, you will have far more influence over my content. You'll be, you know, I will be, you know, your client. You'll be able to say to me, it's more this and that. You know, you don't have to be overly polite. You know, you are now, you've now commissioned some work. Yes. You know, and they've yes. been they've been amazing. And actually, they've now said, you know, when when we finished the work, I think I've got, I think I finished with them in March. They were saying, you know, we'd really ha be grateful if you'd share some feedback for the future. So when we do need to bring people on board, you know, mm. what does that experience look like? So you know, it, it's like you said at the beginning, you don't know until you say. You know, you can imagine, and we tend to imagine things half empty rather than half full. You know, you can only imagine what they're going to say. But as long as you've thought about what's in it for them, I think, yeah. you know, you, you deal with the response after that. You know, you've done your best. Yes. Yeah. So I asked my, asked my interviewees, my guests, um, why they do what they do. And I think you've sort of part answered that in, in your introduction about what you do. But also just as a sort of new business, sometimes we end up doing things that we don't particularly want to do or we we don't want to do if we have a choice but to begin with we have to say yes because we're starting a business and you know need to get things rolling um you you were quite clear about your three pillars mm -hmm. how how easy has it been to sort of do work and make sure that they, it is the stuff that you want to do and um and do you see that changing as 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 you sort of develop and get more comfortable in in your new business? It's interesting, isn't it? I, I do you know what I think about hand on heart, I'm still exploring. So I'm still at the first pillar. <laughs> I'm still yeah. exploring all of the work that I'm doing gives me energy. I mean, you're right. If I ha the admin part of it and invoicing and dealing with my accountant and self-assessing and all that sort of stuff, yeah, you know what? Bit. I I'm not, you know, there's not bells and whistles going on and I'm clapping my hands when I'm doing it. But it's brilliant because I had to do that before and I was working full time. At least this is for me. And I am, yeah. the book stops with me. And that's so empowering. It kind of gets you through. I I am learning. I, I, I do a lot of self-reflection. So each week on a Friday, I tend to try and wind down about three o'clock and just wind down my week so that I can take... The weekend you know with my partner and my daughter and I that's the point where I look back about what have I learned this week and and where did I get the most energy what did I learn if there was stuff that was a bit sticky what what did I learn from that um you know next week I'm delivering my first webinar and I'm used to being in front of you. I love faces. I love report. I love body language. It doesn't matter if it's 20 people or 150 people. 
So this is a real, you know, step change for me. How do I come across as, as me and engage with people when I can't see them? Um, mm. But I'm not going to shy away from it because, again, how how do I know if webinars are my shtick unless I deliver one? You know, my yeah. content's good. The client loves it. They've got really great software. I've had a practice on it. You know, I've got to go through it to know whether it's a thing I like to do. And then maybe in the future when I I mean, one of my goals is to start building my own talent programs, um, you know, that people can come on. Um, I will only know if webinar is part of that offer if I if I do one, you know. Yeah. So I'm yeah. still exploring. I, I I and I, you know, I'm I'm not in any way uncomfortable with a lack of clarity at this stage. The fact that I'm doing the basics and, and bringing in an, an income is all right. You know, I'm not, as I say, I'm not going to Barbados, but I'm paying my bills out of my business. And that's an important sort of mindset shift. Um, yeah. But the explore change for Phil is my branding. So when I introduce myself to anybody, it's the first thing I say, you know, I don't try and say I'm, I'm week one, you'll do this if you're my client and week two, you'll do this. It's, I you you are in control of building what that agenda looks like for you and that's the same with businesses that's the same with Oxford and so only after so in in April time that's when I'll do my full reflection so start to really funnel down what that offer means and um, mm. but I'm spending an awful lot of time not only reflecting on how I went you know I am asking with open arms for feedback from people I'm working with I mean not too beggy and not too much but you know how was that how, what worked out of that you know what what would have been better for you um and and really talking about the process rather than me as an individual it, it kind of makes the clients more comfortable um mm. so mm. clarity not a hundred percent um but you know really taking the time to step back reflect and 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 make notes about what's working and what's not yeah yeah so your three pillars explore change i um can sort of make that up and um feel free to tell me what you think what you what you, how you describe it what's interesting is the fulfill because i think the average person if you if you said it's about being fulfilled they sort of go yeah you know yeah I know what you mean but but I don't think they would in lots of cases and I think often we go through our life not really being fulfilled sort of looking for stuff that we haven't yet got but not really knowing what it is we're looking for and therefore not finding it and and sometimes when we found it not actually realizing we found it and not appreciating it and in my view then not being fulfilled so do you want to tell, tell us the three bits or, or can we go straight into the fulfilled or I had you know what's the What's the easiest way to, to unpick that? <laughs> so I suppose the simplest way of doing this is just saying that one of the things I would do, um, let's start with fulfilled to start with, is it, it has to be in the client's own words. As you've just rightly said, it means different things to different people. But what I think is important to, to share with a client is that for fulfillment, people tend to say, I want to be happy but happy happiness comes from happenings and they're external and my role um, I, or my goal as a coach is to help people find that from within and so I tend to ask what contentment means because contentment is about your contents so what is going on and why is that important and what happens when it's not or has it ever been there the explore phase, there are another, it's, it's going to sound like um, it's really complicated, but it isn't, I promise. Behind the explore phase, there is another three things I look at, and that is an individual's career. Um, I look at their relationships and I look at their health. And so career um, tends to be easier for people to speak about because it's more factual, it's more you know, they said, I said, my business, et cetera. But I, my work there is to really understand where they are in that moment. Relationships, you know, where, what are those relationships providing? You know, where, you know, you can't go on a course to manage your toxic relationships. You know, if you, if you think you're in a toxic relationship, the first piece of advice is get out, you know, what are you doing? You know, and it doesn't have to be that harsh. It's, it's really just an example. But 
how are your relationships doing? You know, where are you getting your energy from? Who do you trust? Who are you giving trust to? You know, what are you getting in return? How are you with your children? You know, how are you with your parents? You know, and then what does work look like? What's your network? You know, do you want to grow it? Do you want to make it smaller? Where do you sit? Are you the big fish in a small pond or vice versa? Um, and then with health, it's both mental and physical. You know, how do you feel about you right now? Where, you know, how are you sleeping? What kind of exercise are you doing? How's your diet? Um, do you feel psychologically safe? You know, what keeps you awake at night? And through those three areas, it tends to become quite clear what the gap is that the person actually wants to to change or transition or and and there tends to be a ripple effect the 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 client will tend to come out with one key thing so in my business um situations um with the charity i'm working with and with oxford it's all about career but actually i'm working really hard on those are the two pillars you know how are you how's your health and how do you become a transformational leader Where, where how do you maintain that but also what are your relationships like is your network strong but within an individual client, you'll tend to find that they'll pick one of them and the other two naturally benefit as when they start to to really make, a, a, you know, well, I work with them. But when they start to sort of look at things differently, try different activities and really explore what it is they want to do. And then through the change phase, you know, no two client experiences are the same. Um, we may use NLP techniques. We may um, do some moving around the room. We may use some guest style. It all really depends what the goal is. You know, what has come out of that explore phase? What's going to be the most useful? And also what the client's up for. Because some days they're really energetic and they're up for everything. And then another day it's just like, I am absolutely shattered. <laughs> I just want to talk about how I am. And that's fine. Um, and then the fulfill is all about well, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for you? How, how, will you become resilient what have you learned from this process and how are other people now going to benefit from you knowing you know being committed to what you now know yeah see I should have just started you at the beginning shouldn't I (laughs) (laughs) but given I I separately said this to sort of the employee engagement piece and we talk about well-being and all that sort of thing in organizations um just interesting in if you or how much you think organisations are interested or, or um, doing things in relation to people's uh, health, and I guess the sort of relationship bit, relationship bits sort of connected to that too, um, more than in the past. Because you know we talk about bring your whole self to work and about well-being, and but still well-being sometimes can be about you know I don't know having a step challenge and bringing fruit into the office or whatever. When actually it's a much bigger uh, environmental issue within organizations or or opportunity within organizations what what are you saying yeah i we did have an amazing offer at prep and i learned quite a lot from it and what came and i i do see i'm in a few groups on facebook um that are very hr focused and it does seem to come up quite a lot one is engagement surveys who knows a great engagement survey um and they haven't really thought about the question that they want to have answered from their people and the second yeah. one is about, you know, who does great well-being or who's got some mental health practitioners they can help out with. And it does seem to be very reactionary. Um, and I can only talk from from my experience of what I did. But we we had a great offer. And it was so interesting that it wasn't actually just about mental and physical health. A lot of people were being kept awake at night because of their finances. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and debt and have they got enough in their pension pots and are they ever going to be able to afford to buy a house you know they're going to be renting forever or you know they've got their first child you know and how did they invest for their future now university fees and 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 you know some of and the mental and physical although it was affecting their mental health and it was affecting their relationships because they were struggling to move forward um and i and we, so, so what we did at Pret is we ran, um, you know, a session a month. So month one would be focused on physical, so lots of you know yoga classes and that kind of thing. Month two was about mental, so lots of things about detoxing diaries and knowing how to switch off from social media, but also 
um, mindfulness and meditation. And then month three would be about um, finances. So, you know, we would get industry experts in and, and, you know, we I think we were with Scottish widows or whatever, but they came in and did an amazing talk on how to really plan for your future. Um, and it, that was brilliant because it, it allowed people and people are more shying away now from the word well-being. I've tried to put a wellness activity into my week at Oxford and the guy that's my programme lead was going, oh, God, it's just a tick box. And I was like, right, that's it. We're not calling it that then. We'll do the activities, but we're not calling it well-being. We're calling no. it investing in you, you know, because yeah. that, that's the thing about buzzwords, isn't it? It, it just it, it all comes down to your one experience of that rather than the intention of what the activity is yeah so yeah i think if if you ask your audience what keeps them awake at night a really simple question rather than we think you should have this that's the difference so really answering the the needs of the audience rather than thinking that you know Mm. Yeah, that's all really interesting, particularly as you say, the sort of um, the turn off for, for the the phrase, because um, it, it has it is like the next big thing. I'm sure it's almost was the next big thing. There'll be something else now, won't there? <laughs> but, yeah, of course there will. Um, but, it, but interesting that it's all so much more integrated, because it's interesting you say about the financial stuff. I'm interviewing uh, somebody in a couple of weeks on Engage Success radio around uh financial well-being in the workplace which perhaps that's the next big thing i don't know somebody from a debt management place contacted me today asking to do a blog for us as well so maybe maybe it's going to move in into that um just sorry not in corporate we seem to be hungry for the next big thing it's like crack the the last thing before you move on (laughs) it's my always my thoughts yeah this is the thing before and and that is it that's why reflection and where are you now are such important questions rather than trying to be ahead of the game you know is is the game in a good place to start with you know why are you trying to get ahead of it you know how do you know that it's working because if what you've done hasn't been fully embedded then it's just going to get lost it's just a waste of investment um and so i, I you know I, I'd stay away and I mean you know I've worked in a couple of organizations that sometimes you could say are sticking their ways but but that's because they spend the time making sure what's in there is right you know so and and my job really when anybody was bringing in some bright ideas um, was to ask the questions about how do they link to our values as a business you know do they do they allow us to live and breathe our values because if they don't then it is, as you say, it's it's just the next big thing. It's just a buzzword. It's just a thing to do it, it, because the businesses that don't aren't doing so well at the moment are the ones that have just stopped living their core values, mm-hmm. you know, and they've tried to move and shift and trying to keep ahead. And they it's a race to the bottom. You know, they don't they lose sight of who they are and what it is they do. You know, I think there was a book, wasn't there, years ago called Differentiate or Die kind of thing. And once you start to become so beige that no one can see you, then, you know, you you risk, you know, disappearing. Whereas if you're really, you know, the oak tree and you stand there strong and you know who you are and you know what your values are, then, you know, you the, the chances are you can weather it better than others. Mm, and mm. I do find that with individual clients as well. You know, it, the two parallel quite nicely, actually, you know, clients that are trying to keep up and suffering from comparisonitis. You know, right, and they've they're really struggling because they've lost sight of what's important to them. Yes, which leads yeah. into fulfillment, actually. Yes, yeah. So, just changing gear in the conversation and thinking about um, sort of your setup and how you've you've got things going. Going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, what what um, sort of tools and systems and apps and things have have you put in place it'd be quite interesting I guess because it's quite new still to see whether you've done you know different to you know some of my guests who've been uh you know around for for a bit longer what, what sort of things are you using to help you to deliver the services that you're delivering well I I'm quite again explore phase I'm quite manual actually I do I have allotted I use my outlook calendar to be honest and I I block out colored time so Every day I have a green hour that I can move around and build up to one day. And the green hour is time for me. 
So whether that's social, whether that's reading, whether that's going to a course. So if I'm going to a course, I will accrue five, five of my green hours so I can have a green day um, and go off and do something for me. And and, yeah. and I've even done it just to go and get my nails done. But, and, and you know, it, it, it's those things that are just about you. So whatever that is, I accrue the time. Um, I have uh, two days a week for my consultancy work and the rest of it is over to my one-to-one -one coaching business. So mm -hmm. I, I've split it really quite simply now as I move to, so my website is launching in a couple of weeks and I move to online bookings and using Acuity and all the rest of it, then that will change because I'll have to be really, really strict about what I'm doing. But again, because I'm learning, as long as I know I've allotted time for the different things that I do, then I'm okay. And then, you know, if I know that I've got a deadline in place and I'll put some time in before there in the day that it falls in the week. So it's it's quite old fashioned at the moment, I have to say. But as and when I launch for online stuff, it will become far more regimented. But, you know, um, there's the Pomodoro timer. That's really good because I do get stuck in my head. I'm, that's been difficult. I'm quite extroverted and have been working in an open plan office for 10 years and dancing around in classrooms and to then be you know at your kitchen table um working away i can get really bogged down with stuff so mm. i do allocate times for tasks like the article i was doing last week for the charity that they're going to put on their their platform next week i believe I was just hearing my own voice in my head and before what I would have done is just shared it with somebody sat next to me and just said can you just scan over that and just you what do you hear what do you and I, I didn't I just have me so in the end I had to be really strict so I put 20 minutes on and then I walked away from it and yes. came back to it later so yeah. again because I'm learning about how I work now away from what I've been used to I, I'm, I'm trying not to be too hard on myself um, but I also am very aware, like, and that's why the reflection timing time comes in really well, because then I can sit there and go, that took you forever to do. What would be a better way of achieving that in the future? You know, yeah. so, so yeah. nothing too strict. Um, and but it's working. I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm not late. You know, I've not missed anything so far. Um, I think as and well as and when my traffic starts to increase um, as far as where I physically need to be away from from home when I'm with clients, etc., then I, I am mm. going to have to go back and, and start to look at something that would help me time manage better. Yes. Yeah. So two things on that. Firstly, I would say um, when you're saying oh, it's a bit old fashioned, most people who come on this podcast use pen and paper. So you're not yeah. you're not any different. So uh, I think there's about three people, including me, who actually do everything online, um, you know, on <laughs> devices and so on. Everyone else always makes <laughs> notebooks and paper. <laughs> um, and uh, secondly, interesting, you're saying about that sort of, you know, working on your own and not having that person to sort of bounce ideas off. I, I, when I was setting up my membership site, which was partly about sort of creating opportunities to, to do that, um, I did a survey and it was about a year ago and um, the top things that came out, oh, my voice is going, <laughs> the top things that came out from there were um, people saying, you know, exactly that, that it's really sort of isolating and, and you know, not having that sort of um, people around you to, to bounce ideas off. And some, you know, some people go and work in, um, you know, co-working spaces and things like that to be able to have a murmur of noise around them and people around them but I suppose you're, you're still in that situation not really going to go to some complete stranger on the table next door the lady next door's a paramedic it might work really well she might be able to breathe some life into my work <laughs> oh, brilliant <laughs> lovely <laughs> Before uh, about things that um, I could and couldn't ask you, you said it was all fine. Apart from you, you said one thing I should ask you is what your mantra is that you live by. So, what what's your mantra? Yeah, I I'm a, a real well. There's two things actually. The first one is live your life by a compass, not a clock. So don't worry about being late for things. As long as you're clear about the implications, a bit like my five months in evaluating money. Um, you know, I, I'm not 
a, a spring chicken. I'm not, I'm not, you know, on a Zimmer frame either. But, you know, I have waited till what is the right time? You know, my daughter is now 13. And so I, and she doesn't want to hang out with mum anymore. It's not cool. She will do, but normally cool. if it involves a trip to New Look or something like that. But that's cool. You know, she's got a really great um, group of friends. They do lots of different activities together. So it, it and I, I'm there at the right times for her. So I, it's the right time for me to, to move forward. But the compass is important because it's asking yourself which direction you're facing in. And is it, yeah. is it the direction you want to be facing in? And are you moving forward? Are you moving back? Um, yeah. The second one is uh, the classic Stephen Covey quote around if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Yeah. And just taking calculated risks um, and really understanding what those risks could be, even if they're just imaginary in your head, making a contract in your head about what you would do if they ever came to life. Mm, mm. Love both of those. Um, live by both of those probably myself too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as you say that whole sort of calculated risk thing you know we do have to do that a lot when we run our own business businesses and I think sometimes that's some of the differentiator between that and being in a corporate situation I, I didn't really realize when I was in corporate how protected you are only you know but only in a certain dimension I mean obviously you know you still got life you've got to earn money and you've got all the other issues that everyone else has but actually you know even things like I've talked before about networking I never really used to network outside of my organizations um, because like you I work for really big organizations so I network really well with people in the organization but I never felt the need to sort of go out of there um, which actually when I look back now it probably you know from a sort of career development point of view would have been a really useful thing to do but it never really put, sort of presented itself whereas once you are running your own business you just realize how important it is you know to meet so many different people in so many different ways yeah, and being curious about them. I think, you know, I in a big organisation as well, when there's shifting sands around and, you know, if you're not, the sales aren't coming in and you've not in like for like sales growth and you stop worrying about your job. So there's a little bit of psychological unsafety, that thing. And then it becomes a competition. You're trying to be better and faster than everybody else. And it's just exhausting sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I haven't missed that at all and I what I really like about my new network is that just doesn't matter people are you know the, just because we've got the title of a coach does not mean that you know we were looking for or with or after the same clients you know it, I just yeah. I really enjoyed having that corporate that corporate approach taken away you know I remember walking into to conferences I went to one last year and because I had Pret on my lanyard nobody was interested really in me they were just interested in what Pret was doing about certain things yeah. whereas now when I walk into a room you know it's my name and my business and and I just say hi I'm Sam how are you you know tell me a little bit about why you're here today or what it what your business does and it's great it's great yeah. because you know it's it, it's just a conversation you're not representing anything other than yourself no no exactly so last kind of questions firstly what happens when it all goes horribly wrong when you have one of those days where it doesn't really work out so what do you do how do you deal with that oh yeah what do I do with that so um I stop um I can you know I know from you know before I had you know I went back to college and really sort of booted around to, to pull out what my core values were so I, I, and what I used to do is just power on through and ended up just absolutely shattered emotionally drained and really quite not great to be around <laughs> so the first thing I will do is stop and actually move away from whatever the stimulus is so if it's my laptop if it's my phone if whatever it is and I'll get I'll break the state I'll get out of the room I and then I have to spend the time looking back through the facts. So what actually happened rather than the story I've created in my head. Yeah. And then talk it through. You know, I've had some great conversations with my daughter recently because she's not at that level where she tries to reason out. She just says, why didn't you just or why is it so important? And, you know, and you think, you know what, <laughs> is it? 
you know, is it really that important? And a good example of that is when the charity did come back and said, we don't normally pay for work. Um, so, you know, we're a charity. And I thought, oh, oh no, I've just spent two days doing a proposal for you. And, and I was really upset, I was really hurt actually. And again, it's emotion overriding fact. Yeah. And I, I walked away, I just went for a walk around the block came back and I spoke to my partner about it and he said what's the matter and I said this has just happened and I feel really hurt by it and he said well don't be hurt just go back and say you want a conversation so I did I said thanks for the update can we have a conversation on Monday um I just want to clarify this fee status and we had a conversation and I, I said what I said to you earlier if I can't yeah. work anywhere else and I'm working for you I have to charge you because it, you know, I have a mortgage to pay. However, mm -hmm. I won't charge you for development work because I can do that in my own time. And most of the stuff I had anyway, it's what I do. Yeah. And secondly, yeah. you will be, I will be your client. So you will have far more say over the work that I deliver for you. And you can tell me if it's right or wrong. And yeah. she said, okay, that's fine. I'll let me take it away. And they came back and they paid my full day rate. So, yeah. Step away, break the state. You said all that without going, but I'm not a charity. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. That's what my partner said. He said, "My God, you're not a charity." Um, but I, I, I did. I did filter that one out. So step away, break the state. Stick to the facts. As you, as we said earlier on in the conversation, put yourself in their shoes. What yeah. is it? What place are they in? You know, and then and then put together a. a perfectly reasonable suggestion yeah. and if nothing else is if nothing else can be done you know you can you can love it you can lead it or you can leave it you know and it sometimes you just gotta walk away so I think the main things are um break the state so wh wherever you are at the moment you just think oh that didn't go well just remove I remove myself from it so if it's my laptop I close my laptop if it's my phone I put my phone away and I actually I'll either go for a walk or I'll make a cup of tea or but just walk away from the situation and then I tend to 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 reflect on things emotionally when I'm feeling that you know something's not gone right so I push myself to think about the facts you know what actually happened rather than mm. creating a whole dialogue around what I've imagined to happen which is never you know a positive experience it's it's it <laughs> tends to be more um, um negative than positive and then yeah. and then really thinking about putting myself in 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 the shoes of wh whoever or whatever is, is kicked this off and then think about a reasonable response and as long as you've got a positive intention in that response you've got three choices after that you either love what happens you lead what happens or you leave it and sometimes you need to walk away but as long as you can do that peacefully knowing you've done your best then that's important but i i have had to train myself not to react in the moment because it yeah. tends to come from a an emotional standpoint but you know yeah. we are bound by our successes so actually when things don't go so well that's where you learn you know that's where you really learn who you are what your business is about and what you you know what are your values when you are you know running your own business and where you want to spend your time yes yeah absolutely and also that thing about um uh realizing that you're telling yourself a story and and sort of un unpicking that because you know mm. until you until you know that you believe everything you tell yourself and then when you realize actually you've made half of it up yeah <laughs> that gives you an yeah. opening into dealing with it differently doesn't it yeah, yeah. so Last question, what about those days where you get to live more and that's where you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the things that you um, feel, you know, you should do or you have to do? What, what does that day look like? Oh, I, yeah, um, I had one yesterday, actually. So my daughter actually listened to her alarm and got out of bed and came downstairs and made a breakfast. And I came down and made some tea and we just chatted about what her day was looking like. And then got ready and I, I dropped her into school I came back um and I go out for about half an hour about 45 minutes and do a run walk um I I <laughs> I've yet to manage to do the whole thing running um but that's okay I'm not trying to train for a marathon it's all about energy and about really thinking about your day I don't take my phone with me it's my time to myself and just thinking about my day ahead um 
And actually, it doesn't matter what the weather's like. If it's chicken it down, sometimes that's even more refreshing. And then I spend my day, you know, yesterday I was on the phone to uh, one of my business clients for about 45 minutes. And we went through the content of the webinar for next week. And really great comment. You know, they were, you know, we love what you've done here. I'd really like to hear more about you in there or you know, is there something, how, is there a way we can make this bigger because we really like the point? So really, and I, even, whether it's a, a one-to-one client or a business client, everything is about partnership for me. You know, I'm not in charge and neither are they. It's all about working together to to achieve their goals. Um, so it was a really lovely conversation and I came away clear. Um, I came away feeling great because they were really pleased um, and they, were really excited about what that was going to give back to them and their brands because it's very different to what they've done before. Um, yeah. And then, and then I, I picked up. So um, one of my colleagues, one of my coaching network, has got a client that they don't think is for them, um, and had sent them my bio. And and bless him, he's he wants to work with me. So he'd chosen my bio out of a group of about five or six and wants to connect him with me. And I just thought, that's really lovely. You know, once somebody has trusted that I do a great job to, to you know, use, recommend me on. Um, and secondly, that, you know, out of a group of people that they've chosen to work with me. So that was really lovely. And then I picked my daughter up from school and her shoes just looked horrific. And we had time to go to Clark's and buy some new shoes. And then, you know, picked up something nice for dinner and came home and, relaxed into the evening you know and and it was a good day it was a good day it was there was progress I talked to some really lovely people and then just that piece of someone wanting to work with me and I hadn't had to pick up the phone or send anything on LinkedIn or whatever um yeah it was a great day and it was and it wasn't because of a big corporate brand over my head it was yeah yeah you know my name and my my business which i'm not all about the ego but some days that's really lovely yes yeah 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 lovely thank you sam it's been great talking to you uh and and catching up after our our years apart <laughs> not that we remember talking to each other before but there you go <laughs> it's, it's been fascinating as much as anything else like i said at the beginning because you're still sort of quite new into to the the running your own business thing it's been a really different sort of perspective than than you know i have with some of my guests so really appreciate your honesty your openness and 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 what you've shared for the listeners so um tell people how they can find out more about you and get in touch yes please so i'm on linkedin so you'll find me quite simply sam redmond um I, my website will be up in a few weeks, but there's a holding page there. So it's just www.samredman.co.uk. Uh, or you can email me. So um, sam at samredman.co.uk. And I'd love to hear from anybody. I love hearing other people's journeys and what they're working on. And I also like coffee and cake. So if anyone actually wants to meet, um, just let me know. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> All right. Take care, Joe. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 148, then you'll find them there. And this week, I just want to talk briefly about a networking event that I went to last week while I was up in Derbyshire. I'm back home from my three and a half week stint of dog walking. But whilst I was up there, I decided to go to a local networking event and see who I could meet, obviously not in my local area. And there was a really good speaker at the event. The event was Acorn Networking in um, Alfreton near to uh, Nottingham. And the speaker was a guy called Luke Wigman, who's an ex-para who was involved in a um, an explosion in Afghanistan and ended up with his leg fairly sort of mangled up and had to come back and have loads of reconstruction and skin grafts and all that sort of thing and was medically discharged from the forces and has since got really into extreme marathon running so he was talking about all the sort of challenge that he created for himself around this um sport that um gave him some of that sort of uh excitement and challenge that he was used to from having been 
in the para paras but also um uh really helped him to sort of keep motivated and moving forwards in his recovery and now he's basically a, a motivational speaker amongst other things and it was just really interesting listening to him he was a, an interesting speaker with a, a really interesting and motivational story but it was interesting for me that i sat there with my um maven hat on i discovered a few years ago i think through a malcolm gladwell book that i am what's called a maven and that's somebody who sort of gathers information and uh also when i've done the uh strengths finder the gallop uh, Clifton Strengths Finder. One of my strengths is input, and that's about collecting things. And it could be, you know, stamps, coins, whatever. But in my case, it's information. So I read and listen to podcasts, and sort of have these sort of resources floating around in my head or in my uh, Evernote account or whatever. And my natural tendency is to then sort of bring those things up when appropriate when talking to certain people and it was just uh, interesting that whilst I was listening to Luke it prompted me to think about uh, some people that I know locally who in fact he was a para and now him and his wife have an adventure and mountain expedition company and in fact his wife was on my podcast I think she was show 55 Michelle Smith and they do extreme uh, sports that Luke is doing marathons so he's sort of speed is part of what he does and he's done things like the he's done a marathon in Alaska not in Alaska in the Arctic one in Antarctic he and has twice done seven marathons in seven continents in seven days so you can see what I mean when I say extreme <laughs> uh, and Michelle and Scott her husband do extreme sports but theirs is more about endurance um I, I, I think i don't know how you'd necessarily compare the two but they uh have most recently done uh the alaskan uh treks where they go for i don't know 150 kilometers in minus whatever conditions pulling a sledge and scott did one of the uh the pennine one the one where the woman had just had a baby and i think was continuing to breastfeed as she ran but she beat most of the men and was the first woman to finish and that sort of thing so Scott's done that recently as well so listening to Luke it reminded me of them and I spoke to Luke afterwards and uh, he was really interested in hearing about them and uh, asked if I could connect them he also reminded me of John McAvoy who I think I may have mentioned on a previous podcast I heard on the diary of a CEO a few weeks ago and then I subsequently read his book and he's basically uh, a sort of professional criminal as that's what he used to be and he'd been born into a sort of uh, family where sort of organized crime was their thing and he ended up in high security prison and then he ended up having a bit of a revelation and deciding to to go straight as it were and then started to do triathlon and he is now an elite athlete he's a nike athlete and he goes into schools and teaches people about you know not uh, following a life of crime and all that sort of thing and so listening to Luke talk about all his extreme sports and how he's used that to sort of shape his life moving forwards it reminded me of John McAvoy from the podcast and from the book that I read so that was another resource that I um, really wanted to share with Luke because I thought he'd be quite interested in reading that book and finding out a bit more about um, John McAvoy as well so I had a chat with him afterwards and we sort of um, swap details and hopefully he's going to come on the podcast as well but it's interesting as I say that my sort of natural tendency is to connect people think about resources that people might find interesting and I do that all the time and so one of the reasons I started the membership site Power to Live More Calm is to enable me to sort of have a formal sort of commercial way if you like of doing that for my members because it's something I just naturally do anyway and now I've got this platform where I have people who are interested in learning about how to be successful but also how to live more and it gives you the way of being able to share that information with them. So yeah just a bit of an update to say that I've been doing some networking and met some interesting people and as I say hopefully I'll get Luke on to a future podcast so that um, you can hear more directly from him. And also a lesson this week in asking. There's a lady who's 
booked into the podcast now who I've been listening to on her podcast for years and I had it on my to-do list for almost as long to invite her onto my podcast and I hadn't done it because I thought oh, how shall I approach her will she be interested you know all that sort of stuff all that indecision all that sort of lack of confidence in terms of um, asking the question and in the end I just decided to get on and do it last week dropped her a quick email really quickly within a couple of hours she'd replied to say she'd love to come on the show and she's now booked in so another little point which is that whole lesson in you know asking people the worst that can happen is they say no and the best is that they say yes has happened to me this week so i mentioned the membership site if you're interested in finding out more then you can go to powertolivemore.com forward slash get calm and the show notes for this week are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 148 and we look forward to speaking to you next week use your power to live more 